Welcome to the second episode of Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are covering Jonah chapter 1 verses 5 through 16. It is a blessing to be with you here today wherever you might be. Whether it is at home with a nice glass of bourbon, in your car stuck in traffic, at work, or anywhere else. I would invite you to become just as relaxed as you would be if you had a glass of your favorite libation in front of you. But before we start with our study today, I would like to thank everyone who sent me a prayer request last week. I got significantly more emails than I expected, and frankly, I loved it. I would like to share one email with you in particular for you to hold in your prayers this week. One young listener, Liam, started his first job last week and was very excited about it. But he said that he had no one to share his excitement with. Well, Liam, now you do. If you have any prayer requests or joys you wish to share with me or our community, please email me at bible.bourbon at gmail.com. Now, let's start our study with a prayer. Glorious Creator, we come to you as broken people looking to be made whole. We come with lives full of stress, busyness, complications, and problems. But we know as we study your scripture and learn about your love, all of that can fade away. We can focus only on you and the love you have to offer and nothing else. We pray that this may not be the best part of our day, but only a building block to something better to come. Amen. Now, let me grab my glass and let's get started. Last week, we had a brief overview of the book of Jonah as a whole. We discussed why the book of Jonah is the book of Jonah and not the story of Jonah and the whale. Together, we learned a bit about what made Jonah so special. And to get the meaning of the book of Jonah, you have to look at Jonah's actions and the events that took place in the book. Everything that happens to Jonah and everything that Jonah does has meaning, much like a parable. We only covered the first four verses in the book of Jonah, but in those verses we saw Jonah be called to preach to Israel's enemy, the Ninevites. But instead of preaching to them, he boarded a ship headed for the other side of the world, Tarshish, and sailed away. However, as he was sailing, a great storm approached on the horizon, leaving the cliffhanger in which our scripture begins today. Jonah, chapter 1, verses 5 through 16. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god. They threw the cargo into the sea and lightened the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lied down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. 
This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will begin to calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. The sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 5 through 16. You probably already knew the basics of this story. Jonah runs from God, and bad things happen to him. But it's good for us to pause here and revisit aspects of this narrative that you might have glossed over before, starting with the storm. Sailors in this age were skilled at their task. They would have been well-trained and most likely would have sailed this route many times before. It would take years to become a skilled sailor like these men, and often they would come from communities that trained sailors from childhood. The fact that these sailors were afraid shows how bad this storm was. It was a storm of storms. Our scripture says that the sailors threw their cargo into the sea. This is a desperate act. It is something that has been practiced in the ancient period, as well as the medieval, the renaissance, and even the pre-modern world. The practice of throwing cargo into the sea makes your ship lighter and makes it float higher above the waterline. This would make your ship faster and less likely to sink. However, the more cargo you throw overboard, the less money you make from your voyage. If you are trading metal from Israel to Spain, and you threw all of your metal overboard somewhere on the journey, then you wouldn't have any metal to trade in Spain. It would all be at the bottom of the ocean, making your journey useless. And depending on how bad the storm was, you might throw more than just your cargo overboard. You might throw your provisions as well, wine and food, meaning that you would be unable to eat or drink during the rest of your journey. It was an act of last resort. This storm was so bad that these veteran sailors were willing to sacrifice their future wealth and health just to stay alive today. But while these veteran sailors were running scared trying to save themselves today, Jonah slept. There are two ways to see his sleep. The Hebrew word here is vague to its meaning. In one interpretation, the Lord is making him sleep. We see this Hebrew word used in this way in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. In that verse, Elijah is made to sleep by the Lord with angels tending to him. And in that context, the Lord is making Elijah sleep. But this word can also be used to describe a sleep that is natural, that is just brought on by laziness. We see that in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 15, when it says, Laziness brings on deep sleep. 
That, too, is the same Hebrew word. And this word can be read in either way here in connection with Jonah. Jonah could either be sleeping because the Lord is making him sleep, or he could just be so lazy that he is sleeping through a storm that is turning the hardest sailor's stomachs. Honestly, as someone who's been on a rocking boat only once, I cannot believe that Jonah would be able to sleep through a storm on a ship in the ocean without some sort of supernatural help. But either way, Jonah is asleep, and these sailors are in a state of panic. These sailors, like all sailors of the time, were a diverse crew. They were not all Hebrews, even though they were leaving from a port in southern Judah. In fact, it seems like no one aboard this boat but Jonah was Jewish. The boat itself was going to Tarshish, and we don't really know where that is. The name as a location comes up several times in the Old Testament and is also referenced by the Assyrians, but it's never given a precise location. It's often used more as a generic term for somewhere in the far west. We might think it could be a reference for modern Spain, but in reality it was just used to describe somewhere in the far west, as far away from the eastern city of Nineveh as you could get. The sailors on this boat came from any number of places between Israel and Spain. Even now, think about how many different languages, cultures, religions that you would encounter if you were to travel between Israel and Spain. You would find people from Morocco, Egypt, Italy, Greece, France, Libya, Malta, and many other places. Each people would have their own unique culture and, and often their own language. If you imagine all of those people together on one boat, well, you get an idea of how diverse this crew was. Now, in this storm, this diverse crew is coming together and trying to find a way out. And it's in this moment that the captain wakes up Jonah. First, he comments on how Jonah was able to sleep, whether it is a supernatural power from God or just superhuman laziness. But then the captain does something that Jonah has not done so far. He shows concern for people of a different faith than his own. He says, maybe God will take pity on us. Us. All of us on the boat. From all the places around the Mediterranean, maybe God will take mercy on us. The captain is talking about a joint act of salvation. The scripture says that the captain is trying to find everyone on board and have them pray to their own God. This is a common pagan practice. The captain would have thought that someone's God was mad, and he just needed to find the person who knew how to pray to the right God. However, this didn't work. So, the sailors came together and decided to cast lots. From a modern perspective, this is a little interesting. The one time I was on a boat during a storm, I never thought about casting lots to see who caused the storm. I just wanted to find my way to my own room and lie down. But this would have been a more normal aspect of ancient society. They don't tell us how the lots were cast, but it was probably something fairly similar to drawing straws, something you might have done as a child. Drawing straws may not seem like a religious practice to us, but this even seemingly act of witchcraft correctly picks Jonah as the reason for this trouble, maybe with some sort of divine intervention. Then they ask him a series of odd questions. They ask, tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us. 
What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? This series of questions fits with their idea of the problem. They need to find the right God, the one that is angry, and butter up to them. Who are you? Do you worship Zeus, Asher, Isis? Let us know who your people are so we might pray to their God and soothe his, her, their anger. Pagans had little loyalty to a single God in moments of trouble. If they needed help, they would pray to whatever God they felt would give them help or assistance. This series of questions leads to Jonah's confession. He is running from God, a God he calls the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. On the surface, this may be his way of just saying there is one God, not many. My God is not a water God, a sky God, a land God. He is just God. But it's also interesting that he is running from a God that he knows controls the heaven, the sea, and the dry land on water. According to pagan religious practices, you wouldn't try to run from a God that controls water by sailing on the sea. So if your God controls everything, then why would you run from him to begin with? However, with this confession, the pagan sailors learn the source of their problem. But what do they do now? Well, they ask Jonah what they might do to help him, to which he replies that they should throw him in the sea, which is odd because God does not tell Jonah to throw himself in the sea. According to our scripture, it seems as if he came up with this on his own. In many ways, it's probably not what God would have wanted him to do. I would imagine that God would have preferred him to just turn around and go home so he can start the mission for which God had already called him to do. God would be happy with that if Jonah decided to start his mission now. But Jonah doesn't say that. Instead, he says, throw me into the sea. Being thrown into the sea during a storm is basically a death sentence. He would rather die than preach to the Ninevites. He hated them that much. He hated those pagan Assyrians so much that he would rather die than preach a joint salvation to them. But these pagan sailors were not like Jonah. They were kind to people even of a different culture than their own. They did not throw him into the sea. They said, let's try to beat this unbeatable storm. They tried their best to row against it, to fight it. They cared enough about him to risk their lives for him. Someone they knew nothing about earlier. In many ways, these sailors treated him in the exact opposite way that Jonah treated the Ninevites. But eventually, against their best efforts, they just couldn't beat the storm. They tried and they tried, but it was just too much. So, they were forced to throw Jonah into the water. This is the first parallel we get of Christ in the book of Jonah. The sailors do not want to sentence him to death by throwing him into the water, but they feel as if they must. And in that moment, they say, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you've pleased. Then they throw him overboard to his perceived death. People see this as connected to the trial of Christ when Pontius Pilate washes his hands of the crucifixion, but still goes through with it. And I do see the connection between these two events, but I think there might be something else at play here too. 
In our scripture today, it makes it absurdly clear that these sailors were not Hebrews. They did not know or worship God. But here, they are fearful of him. Fear of God is a virtue. It's a good thing to be fearful of God. They are not Hebrews, but they are practicing this Hebrew virtue. Then, when they finally do hand him over to the water, which is something that Jonah said God wanted, whether God wanted it or not. But after he is thrown into the water, the seas calm. As the water becomes still, these sailors make vows. Often these vows are seen as vows to serve the God of heaven, land, and sea, and no other God. These pagans are renouncing their traditional gods and replacing them with the true God above. They are converting in this moment. In many ways, this small event with the sailors on board this ship, with Jonah, can be seen as an example of Jonah's larger mission. Jonah is supposed to preach to a non-Hebrew group, the Assyrians in Nineveh, that they need to accept the God of Israel to get rid of their old religion and embrace a new one. Jonah doesn't want to do this, and he thinks that the Ninevites probably won't listen anyways. He thinks that the pagans will stay pagan, so he puts no effort in. And that's the same thing that happens here, on this boat, with these sailors. These pagan crewmen probably shouldn't convert. But they do. Jonah's mission to these sailors was a success. He won over a boat full of non-believers. But you know what? Jonah doesn't really do anything to make it happen. He's not even hardly an active character in this part of the story. He sleeps as the storm starts. He doesn't volunteer that he is a problem. He waits for them to draw lots. He doesn't even help them row the boat when they try to save him instead of throwing him overboard. And he also waits for the sailors to throw him in the water. Why doesn't he jump? If he felt so strongly that the only way to save the people on board was for him to be in the water, why wouldn't he jump overboard and save the sailors the guilt of having to throw him? Jonah does nothing. But yet, this dramatic conversion happens anyway. This interaction on this boat with these sailors foreshadows what is to come. But that's where we're going to leave off for today. Next week, we are going to talk about the whale or the big fish. It's the only episode we're going to talk about the whale. So if you're here to learn about the whale, well, next week is your week. As always, thank you for joining me today, and remember to send your prayer requests or joys to BiblePeriodBourbon at gmail.com. I loved reading so many of those emails last week and look forward to it this week as well. Additionally, if you do drink, please do so responsibly. While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you do need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I would be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.